Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning, church. How are we doing? Oh, well. Tell your neighbor, I also want a baby. <laughs> Some of the spouses are like, no, 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 I bind that. (laughs) Or two or three. Let's not limit God. Where two or three are gathered. (laughs) That's really important that, you know, we we take time, you know, when you when you dedicate your child to the Lord, it is the beginning of an unstoppable destiny. And we really must realize the gravity and the importance of raising our kids in the light and in the presence of God. Amen. And so this morning we're sharing a message called Generational God and Blessings. And we realize from the Word of God that God is a generational God. He refers to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And those individuals are not unrelated. They are sons of sons. And so God always works through more than one generation. And his plan in your life is that you will see the fulfillment of God's promises in every area of your life. But that it will not stop with you. That it will go on generationally. Amen. And we've read from Psalm 27. It says children are a blessing. From the Lord. They are a gift from God, a heritage. And this morning we're sharing briefly concerning sometimes the times where we are waiting on God and trusting God, even specifically with regards to children. And there are sometimes marriages where you've started off and you've kept yourself pure and you wanted to make sure that nothing sort of, you know, gets involved before you get married and you got married and now finally it's time to start and you're trusting God for, for children. And that very experience that is supposed to be the, the height of great experiences, a great euphoria. How do I describe this? <laughs> the, the greatest excellencies of life becomes a time of anxiety and pain. And the Bible speaks about Abraham being the father of faith, trusting God for a child. Being in a place where God promises him and says, look, through you, the generations and the nations of the earth will be blessed. And he looks at God and says, God, thank you. You've blessed me with wealth. You've blessed me with cattle. You've blessed me with animals. I've got servants and everything. But who will inherit this riches that you've given to me? And he he suggests and he says, maybe Eliezer, who is the, the servant in my house, he will inherit what you have blessed me with. And God says, no, I will give you a child. And this morning, you might be in a situation where you're trusting God as a couple. You've been waiting on God to see the fulfillment of his promise in the form of a child. Or it might not be related to children, but you you have a place in your life that is barren, where you've been trusting God for a long time, and you feel like God has given up on you in that area. And the word of God encourages us this morning that we should look to him. Amen. Let's go here. We're going to go through a passage of scripture relating to Samuel, the birth of a prophet. And Samuel is a prophet in Israel, and he's the one who started to anoint kings in Israel. And we read here together from 1 Samuel chapter 1. It says there was a certain man in Ramathayim. A Zufite from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And you see here from the scripture how God has an interest in detailing whose son, whose son, whose son was. Amen. And you've got entire passages of scripture that give you lineages showing you how God works from one generation to the next. It says in the Ten Commandments that God, it it says in Exodus that God, he visits generationally. 
It says that those he loves, he visits to a thousand generations. And who knows, you might be sitting here under the blessings of God, experiencing something that will touch generations down the line if you do not despise the time and moment of your visitation. It says he had two wives. Now, just to be clear here, <laughs> Jesus said in the beginning it was not so. He created the male and female, one wife, one husband. Just in case there's somebody here, Julio. Ooh. <laughs> All right, so, so he, he had two wives, but, you know, the standard is one. And it says one was called Hannah, and the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had none. Have you ever been in a situation where everyone around you is sharing their testimony about how God has come through for them? And you have none. Have you been in a place where you're looking around and you see and you celebrate someone else's breakthrough, but your breakthrough is in the waiting? And I'm here to encourage you and tell you this morning that there is a way because there is a God in heaven who answers prayer and who does the impossible. Verse 3 says, year after year, this man went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh, where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Alkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of meat to his wife, Penina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her and the Lord had closed her womb. And many times in our lives, especially in marriage, it is only the words of a spouse that seem to be the kindness and expression of God's presence in that moment of pain. And we'll share this afternoon a little bit more on that. Go back. And it said that the Lord had closed her womb. Now the, New Test the Old Testament doesn't have much of a revelation of the demonic or details concerning maybe medical conditions. So the, the, the detailing was that God is behind it. We understand that today, after Christ has come, there's definitely a new covenant and a change. Especially for you who are trusting the Lord, God is the one that is the answer to your prayer. And then it says in verse 6, Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. And this went on year after year. Whenever Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. And many times our family supports us, but the voice of the enemy is in our hearts condemning us for the shame that we carry in our situation. It did not stop her, though, from bringing her situation to God. It says her husband, Alkana, would say to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more than 10 sons to you? <laughs> and sometimes we're in a situation where nobody understands the pain that we are going through. All their suggestions and encouragement seems to increase the pain of our situation. The Word of God tells us that we have a high priest that is touched by the feeling of our infirmity. We have someone who knows how we feel. And then it says, verse 9, once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Now Eli the priest was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house, and in her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. And she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be on his head. And this was the dedication that the parents were doing here. And the fact that no razor was supposed to go on his head was supposed to mark him as a Nazarite, someone set apart to the Lord like Samson. And then verse 12 says, as she kept on praying to the Lord, Eli observed her mouth and Hannah was praying in her heart and her lips were moving, but her voice was not heard. And Eli thought she was drunk. 
and said to her, how long are you going to stay drunk? Put away your wine. And sometimes we're in a situation where our crisis causes us to approach God in such a radical and erratic way that the people around us become inconvenienced and uncomfortable. But if you're going to get a miracle from God, you're going to have to step over the criticisms of your friends and family. You're going to have to push through the crowds in order to get to Jesus Christ. Amen. The Bible speaks about how Jesus was passing by and there were blind men on the side of the road and they could hear the commotion. They understood that Jesus, the son of David, the Messiah was passing by. And they started to shout, Jesus, son of David. Have mercy on me. And the people were saying, shh. This is a church service. Don't you understand the protocols that we have set up to keep you from your miracle? And you need to be able to break out of the box. Able to say, I'm not going to be in the queue with everyone else. I'm going up front ahead. Don't do this in the bank. But with the Lord, do this. Amen? Amen? Push in the front. Say, sir, please. I'm here. And it says that she responded, verse 15, Not so, my Lord, Hannah replied. I'm a woman who is deeply troubled. I've not been drinking wine or beer. I was pouring out my soul to the Lord. And sometimes you're in a situation where the only place where your soul can be poured out and received is before the throne of grace and mercy. Every other ear may say, I understand. They don't. Every other ear may say, I'll try and help you. They cannot. But there is one who hears from heaven and is moved. And she said, verse 16, do not take your servant for a wicked woman. I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. And verse 17 says, Eli answered, go in peace and may the God of Israel grant you what you have asked him. And sometimes we're in a situation of crisis where we are praying and trusting God and we're pleading before God, pouring out our hearts. But it is not our cries that will bring a miracle. It is the word that we hear in the presence of God that will bring a miracle. Therefore, in your time of prayer and intercession and in your time of anguish before the Lord, have your ear open to hear the voice of the master. It is only the word of God that is a seed for your miracle. It is the word of God that is the creative substance. When you are in that place, more than the miracle that you seek, you are seeking God's word on your situation. And if you can make sure that that word is kept in the womb of your heart, you will be able to carry that miracle to turn. And then she said in verse 18, May your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away and ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Early the next morning, they arose and worshipped before the Lord and then went back to their home in Ramah. Elkanah made love to his wife, Hannah, and the Lord remembered her. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah of flour, and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I'm the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I asked of him. And your mouth will be full, will be full of testimony when you've done your time asking the Lord. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life, he will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. God absolutely desires to bless families with children. It is his absolute desire. And you might think to yourself, yes, but I'm in a situation where I'm trusting the Lord for that. It is absolutely God's desire. 
I'm here to tell you that without a doubt. And Jesus is God's yes to your prayer. You might feel like, no, I might need to do a, a work for God so that he might be able to reward me with a child that I seek. No need. The Son of God has been sent as God's yes to every prayer consistent with the Word of God. Amen? It says in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 19, For Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was preached among you by Silas, Timothy, and myself, is not one who is yes and no. What he's saying there is that our message to you was not maybe. Maybe God will maybe. Maybe God will do it. Have you ever sat next to a believer who is a maybe Christian? Yeah. You ask them, do you think God will do this in this situation? Maybe. Today, yes. Tomorrow, no. Yes and no. And he said, our message to you was not a Jesus that is yes and no. On the contrary, he is God's yes, for it is he who is the yes to all of God's promises. This is why through Jesus Christ, our amen is said to the glory of God. The other scripture that we know it as is that all God's promises are yes and amen. Right? That means that you see Jesus on the cross. For the promises of God concerning your life, the answer is yes. And sometimes when you have theological friends who want to tell you, yeah, you have to reconsider, you just say yes. And as they're trying to convince you, no, but uh, yes. Yeah? Your yes has to be louder than all the no's of all the naysayers around your life. Because the devil will send you enough people who know some scriptures to keep you out of your miracle. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 14, the scripture to Israel Applies also to us is the same God. We are also a chosen race, a holy nation. It says, you shall be blessed above all people. There shall not be male or female barren among you or among your livestock. This, for me, was awesome. Even the livestock. If God is willing to bless a sheep, <laughs> how much more me? Amen. Jesus said, if he takes care of the lilies... If he takes care of the birds in the field, are you not more valuable than these? Why do you worry? Amen? And so the scripture tells us, and many times in our societies, in our communities, traditionally, when something's not working out in terms of marriage and children, we look at the woman. Just look straight. Don't, don't look around. We look at the woman. But we've known and realized that it's not always the woman. This thing doesn't only affect women, it also affects men. Deuteronomy 28 verse 4 says, The fruit of your womb will be blessed. Deuteronomy 28, awesome scripture. You need to memorize this, teach your kids. It says you'll be blessed coming in, blessed going out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed here, blessed there, blessed in, blessed out, blessed your breadbasket, blessed the children of your goat and its children's children. And you say to yourself, no, but I don't want too many blessings. I don't want the blessings of God to corrupt my heart. It is not because of a theological situation. It is a heart of a father that is blessing his children. Imagine you who are parents. Your desire to bless your children is not a religious act. In the same way, God's desire to bless his children is not a religious act. It is a manifestation of the compassions of God, which are new every morning. Amen? You can expect a blessing. You can expect a blessed life because if he was willing to give his son on the cross, how much more will he not give us all things for our enjoyment? Amen. God is the God of breakthroughs. Psalm 127. Children are a blessing from the Lord. The fruit of the womb are a heritage. Our revelation, chapter 19, verse 10 before we, we go into a time of testimony, it says here, this is John the Revelator, one of Jesus' disciples, exiled on the island of Patmos. And he has a vision where an angel is taking him around heaven. And it says, I fell at his feet, the feet of the angel, to worship the angel. But the angel said to me, see that you do not do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren 
who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. This means whenever you hear a testimony of what Jesus is doing in someone's life, prophetically the environment and the atmosphere is open for that same thing to take place in your life. Amen. If God has done it, if God has done it for sister so and so, God will do it for sister such and such. Amen. God is no respecter of persons. You don't have to covet your neighbor's possessions. You can have your own portion with the Lord. Amen. You don't have to covet your neighbor's baby. There's enough from God. Amen. Tell your neighbor, give me a baby. <laughs> huh? Guys, come on. They're not that expensive. <laughs> if you are sitting next to somebody that's not married to you, just look at them strange. Like. Anyway, so this morning, we've got a great privilege to hear testimony uh, from, from Brandon and China. They're going to share with us their journey. And then, so just, just let's give them a round of applause as they come up. Awesome. Uh, Brandon and China, thank you. Welcome to the Dr. Phil Show. <laughs> uh, Brandon and China, thank you. You know, this is quite a sensitive topic, and it is really, it's really our appreciation that you guys are willing to be vulnerable like this and share for the sake of, of God's glory. That testimony, please receive. We're trusting that God, in this atmosphere, miracles are taking place and healings are taking place. Amen. So, will you guys just tell us a little bit how you, get, how you initially got involved with church and how, how, how you became part of, of his people, every nation, and then we'll go from there. All right, good morning, church. Um, so in 2006, uh, I actually met Caroline in 2006, and uh, we had a mutual friend that she basically introduced uh, the Bible uh, ENLI to, and uh, the friend and I both started doing uh, ENLI, and uh, that's how I ended up being part of his people back then. Uh, obviously, my wife and I were away for a couple of years, but uh, and, and the, 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 transi the transition from his people to every nation obviously happened in, in our absence, but we've been part of the church. Uh, I've been part of the church since 2006 and uh, graduated ENLI uh, two years later because I took, I took a year off. And uh, yeah, then I met my wife, uh, and we collectively joined the church, and yeah. yeah, we've been part of His people, every nation, since basically officially since since our marriage in 2010. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, so this is the question: You guys got married 2008, yeah. 2010. Obviously, trusting the Lord for 12 sons, 12 daughters, you know that kind of thing, and. Um, so then, as, as you got married, you obviously now start, start, you know, and then you realize, <laughs> you realize um, it's, it's something up here. Bronwyn? Yes. Um, good morning, church. <laughs> yeah, we got married 2010, and um, as from around 2012, we decided, well, now we're ready to have babies. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, we did the act that leads to babies. Um, I mean, we did it before anyways, but you know, and so not to make you think we waited two years, but um, so 2012 rolls by you know, and nothing happens. And 2013 rolls by, nothing happens. And you know, initially when you planning for babies like that, you kind of think to yourself, well, you know, if you doing this the right way, I mean, there's only really one way then um, it's easy, you get pregnant, you know, it's just um, seed meets the egg. Yeah. But um, in a couple of months into planning, 
we noticed, all right, nothing's happening, and so we decided to go to the doctors, just to make sure that all the body parts were functioning properly. Um, and we went to a fertility specialist, and he told us that um, China had more fertility, morphology, there's a morph word, motility, <laughs> and um, I just praise God that I forgot, you know, and so. Well, practically, my swimmers didn't swim right, uh, so they were not moving in the direction that they were supposed to, and yeah, so I, I basically, from my side, was diagnosed with infertility. And so, and then he told me that I was not ovulating. And what that meant was um, that just completely was a double whammy for us that we will not be able to conceive naturally. Um, he was hopeful, I guess, in a way. And he told us, you know, well, yeah, I, I'll give you 2% chance to conceive naturally. But um, basically, I'm telling you that you will never have children the, the normal way. In China, so when, when you heard that from the doctor, what, what was your, your reaction, you know? I mean, all the dreams that you have growing up, wanting to be a father, all those aspirations, how, how did that begin to affect you? I, I think the, the process that we went through, um, perhaps maybe this is a, a disclaimer, because um, infertility has a tendency to introduce something called shame. And shame is something that we you know, keeps us from being vulnerable and actually allowing community to actually bless us with, with, with prophetic words and stuff. So, so we went through a journey of, of infertility. We went through a journey of shame. We kept it to ourselves. We were obviously very excited about our friends and, and many family members that had multiple children. Uh, but deep inside, there was this, there was this pain that we were not able to share because of the shame thing. Mm. And, uh, and it was tough, but, but we realized something that when we received that almost death sentence by the doctor, remember the doctor uh, knows his facts. So he studied and he's only, he's only giving us his facts. And it's, it's when we realized that we cannot allow ourselves to hold on to facts, but we should allow ourselves to hold on to the truth of God and the promises of God and that we can have an experiential knowledge of what the Bible promises, that we will have what God promised and that, and that God's promises are, like you said earlier, yes and amen. Yeah. So we shifted from a death sentence to a expectation. Yeah. We, we were expectant and we, were, we refused to allow our expect expectation to be, to be basically damaged. Mm. And that is what kept us going. Mm. Yeah, I just want to add to that. Before we got the doctor's um, you know, diagnosis, there were many nights of crying myself to sleep, you know, where you'd wake up where it looks like a bee stung you in your eyes. But um, so that was real as well. We were raw with each other about how we are hurting mm. because we were hurting. Mm. And we rejoiced in our friends and families, but there was still, you know, when you're holding somebody else's newborn baby, while it's crying in your arms, you're crying right back and saying, yeah, baby, I know, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And so then, what are the steps that you guys started to practically take, you know, from that place of saying, we're going to look to God, we're going to put aside what, what we've heard. What were the steps that you, you guys took? Okay, so what we started doing in 2012 is um, just as, a, as an act of faith and just prophesying into my womb was we started to buy baby clothes because we were like, God is going to do this. And so we'd, yes. so we'd go out, you know, we'd buy baby clothes um, and we would just believe that God is going to do something. And there would be times that I would hold the baby clothes in my, you know, I'd have a little onesie and I'd hold it in my arms like you hold a baby. And I would prophesy and, and just say, you know what, God, breathe life into these clothes. Like, breathe life. And, you know, I spoke bones into that. And I spoke like Ezekiel did. I was like, let the sinew and the tendons just grow, you know, mm. that this will not just be 
um, a baby girl, a onesie that I'm holding in my hands, but very soon I'll be holding flesh. Yeah. Yeah. And so after that, how did you guys then get to the moment where, where your breakthrough took place? You know, how, long, how long was it? I mean, from the time that you guys heard from the doctor, because sometimes if it's six months, okay. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but how long was it? Uh, our, our journey of infertility uh, went over a period of five years. Um, so, so in 2012, when we started, when we started with obviously with the expectation of of of, of uh, conception, up until um, up until the actual con conception, it was about five years. It was actually a little more than five years. But uh, I must also say that it's so amazing because uh, obviously, prelude to the next question, we we have a baby. But the moment we recognized or we realized that there was a pregnancy, the pain of five years was wiped away in an instant. Okay, so then take us there, Bronwyn. Okay. You know, so you guys yeah. uh, traveled at some point. Yeah, so we, then... so 2012 rolls by, nothing's happening. 13 rolls by, nothing's happening. 14 rolls by, nothing's happening. And, um, and all the time we're practicing, you know, we're doing <laughs> married stuff. And um, so in 2014, we, um, as a couple, and um, we decided to go to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Mm. And so we, you know, it was one of those School of Supernatural Ministry. So supernatural things happen there. So China will just have to look at me and I'll be pregnant, <laughs> you know, because it's supernatural. And so we went there with that expectation, like the, there's miracles happening there. I mean, we've all heard about the stuff that happens yeah. there. And so we went with that expectation. And how long after you arrived there? We... Was so it six two, months? No, no, no. Well, we thought so. We were like, when we get there, when we land, <laughs> we'll be pregnant. But a year rolls by and mm. still we're not pregnant, you know, and we're hearing testimonies of people who've been um, in fertile for 10 years, they're getting pregnant and that stirs our faith, mm. you know. And so the third, second year rolls by, nothing's happening. Mm. And then the third year that we were there, um, I remember it was the November, um, no, it was October of the third year that we were there. I had a craving for red wine. And so, which was strange, you know, I mean, I've craved chocolate and stuff, but I've never craved red wine. And so the whole of October, God just presents opportunities for me to enjoy red wine. I just have to give you a bit of background. We're doing ministry school. And so we're not allowed to work. So we don't have, you know, an income. And um, we, when it comes to, oh, shall we have a bottle of red wine or bread? You know, you buy the bread. Mm. So we didn't have any opportunities to, you know, just enjoy a bottle of red wine. Mm. But this specific month, God presented me with opportunities of enjoying a glass yeah. of red wine. Mm. And so China starts telling me, this is October 2016. He starts telling me, you need to stop drinking red wine because you're pregnant. Like that, that's all he says to me, right? Mm. And so I'm like... You know, I, I roll my eyes, I laugh at him like Sarah, and I'm like, I would know if I was pregnant. <laughs> because the foreign object enters my body, so I would know when things are swirling around, you know. And so it went on the entire month of October. Stop drinking red wine, you're pregnant. And um, on the 1st of November, 2016, I couldn't take it anymore. So what I did was he asked me, please just take a pregnancy test. So what I did was I peed in a cup and I gave him the cup and I said, I don't want anything to do with this because I don't want to be set up for disappointment again yeah. because we had been disappointed every time oh, yes. I wouldn't, yeah, every time my cycle wouldn't come and I think, oh, I'm pregnant, you know, and it was always negative. So for years we had disappointment and I wasn't in the mood for it that day. Mm. So I gave China the test. And he comes out of the bathroom uh, like... Let, let, let him tell. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> so, gentlemen, persuasion works. <laughs> I, I, I just have to say that uh, the moment that Bronwyn presented me with that uh, red cup, I know you guys watch movies, so you see that 
ping pong or beer pong cup, right? That's the ones. It's real. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she presented me with this cup and this uh, dipstick pregnancy test. And uh, for some other reason, you know, it's so strange because, sorry, I could have done it right in front of her, but I was, I went to the bathroom. So I went to the bathroom with this test, very, very, very uh, confident and uh, put the dipstick in there, counted 15 counts because I read the instructions and pull it out. And lo and behold, it was two stripes. So one thing you must know, obviously, like uh, the environment that we were in was like an incubator for the miraculous. Mm -hmm. Like literally, we lived every day in some testimony. We lived every day, you know, recipient of prophecies going into our lives. And we were just receptors mm -hmm. of what God was doing in that environment. Mm -hmm. So when I got out of the bathroom, I mean, like Bronwyn would say, everything about my face was lit up. Like, I mean, I could smile from ear to ear. And I said to her, see? <laughs> you know? It's like, see, like, you're pregnant. So, yeah. <laughs> and so, Bronwyn, what was your reaction? Obviously, you were, like, excited, saying, praise the Lord. He <laughs> came through. You know, I wish I could say that was my reaction. But I actually told China you don't even know what a positive pregnancy test looks like. <laughs> and I didn't believe him. And um, because to me it was, it was unreal. Mm. Totally, totally unbelievable. Yeah. And so after that? And so after that, <laughs> what I did was um, I took another test later in the day just to double check. Um, and, you know, the reason why is, I mean, we'd been... We'd been believing for so long. Mm -hmm. We had been trusting. We'd been praying for so long. Mm -hmm. You know, so one would think your initial response would be China's response. Mm -hmm. You see, I told you, God is good. And my response was, um, I've got to double check this, you know. And so the reason why was because, because we'd waited so long, you know, in that one moment of everything changed. Yeah. Everything changed. And so it, the moment was too big for me. Mm -hmm. It was absolutely too big. And I didn't know what to, I didn't know how to react. I didn't know how to respond. And so my first response was disbelief. Mm -hmm. But um, it's just in that moment when God changes everything, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't even know how to thank God. Mm -hmm. I was like, and I said that to the Lord. I was like, Father, I don't know how to thank you. I don't know what to say to you because this is just so massive. Mm -hmm. Because we've waited this long, you know, you, we operated in expectation, but when it arrived, you're like, okay, now I don't know what to do with this, yeah. you know? Wow. So, yeah. And so, China, what were, the, what were the prophetic words, what were the scriptures that you guys would stand on, you know, that you, you sort of anchored your faith to in this journey? So one of the scriptures was um, Revelations 19.10 that says that the testimony of Jesus is, Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that's been... Uh, that's been a foundational scripture throughout our, our time at, B, at BSSM, as well as the scripture of Psalm 127 that speaks about children, that speaks about the er like, like arrows. Yeah. And uh, so Psalm 127, um, Revelations uh, 19.10, uh, Luke 1.37 was especially dear to my heart because, you know, I... I literally declared that every day of my life that nothing is impossible with God. Mm. And because, because that was something that was, um, that was deeply intimate and a, and a deep desire of myself, yeah. I realized that as I proclaim, as I, as I declare these prophecies, these scriptures, I'm actually, I'm actually having an experiential knowledge of it because I started speaking it. I started speaking it. And that's what I realized as well when, um, when I was prompted by the Holy Spirit in the time that Bronwyn had zero pregnancy symptoms. I started speaking words of life over her life. I started declaring those things that wasn't as though they were. And uh, she had no symptom of pregnancy during the time of October, first, from 1st of October until 1st of November. 
Literally, when we discovered that she was pregnant, the very next day, all the symptoms that she did not have the whole time <laughs> came on her like a flood. Wow. And so you mentioned at the first service that there was a prophetic word that said, yes. yeah. So in 2011, we had a visitor from uh, Pochevstrom, uh, Pastor Willem Nell. And Pastor Willem Nell prophesied uh, over me specifically. And he said to me in 2011, he said to me, your wife will become pregnant by your words. So I only realized and obviously processed this way after the whole experience of pregnancy. But I, I realized it and I realized, you know, what we speak and what we declare on a daily basis, irrespective of what we lack and, and where we are, we are speaking life. It's like sperma. It's like we are, we are declaring life over situations or death because sometimes we don't even realize that. Yeah. So, so that was Pastor Willem's revelation. And that was also way after, I think, in the first or second trimester of pregnancy that I, that I had the revelation or the recollection that this was actually something that somebody told me. Maybe I could have done that way years ago. I didn't. But... But I realized that, you know, yeah. when you speak things, yeah. you are actually birthing it into, in, into the natural. That's good. And so, yes, Lord. And so you, you have your baby and then you come back to Namibia and you go see the doctor. <laughs> All right, so, so we want to just not out of boastfulness or anything like that, but we really wanted to go back to the fertility specialist and just, just show him, you know, like what God has given us. Also, just, just to show him, you know, that, you know, God did, he said we have less than 2% chance of, of naturally conceiving, which is basically 0% because the 2% was, was him being gracious towards us. But that's the thing that I think what, what, what God has done is God has done the 2% of impossibilities and he's added his 98% of possibility to make, it, to make it 100% possible. So when we came to him, in fact, he wasn't there, but his secretary or his personal assistant was there. And she was celebrating because she said that, he, that my son is a, is a miracle. So God did something and they, were, they celebrated. But I think the most important thing for me, and I'm, I'm jumping the gun here, is, you know, when God bless you, we have to desire the abundant life. Mm. God is not just a God that would give you a little bit or that would give you a breakthrough key. But God gives breakthroughs. Mm. And I am here testifying today that we're celebrating another baby. <laughs> Another baby that is on the way because God is faithful. Amen. And God is the God of the abundance. Yeah. And we are celebrating the physical manifestation of John 10.10 10 that says that you will have life and life in abundance. In abundance. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So, so just in closing, very briefly, um, what is the, the word of encouragement? If somebody is here this morning and they're in a situation of barrenness or they're in an impossibility, what, what would you encourage them to do this morning? Brandon. Um, well, I just want to give a scripture that got me through um, our journey. It's Hebrews 10.23. It says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. So we're professing hope mm. because he who promised is faithful. faithful. And so... Just my encouragement for the church today is whatever it is that you're hoping for, mm. whatever it is that you're holding on, God is faithful. Mm. Now, you might be at the marker where you're feeling, but it's been five years, but it's been 10 years, and I still haven't seen the breakthrough. Mm. It's been 20 years. I still haven't seen the breakthrough, and I've been praying. I'm here to tell you that He is going to do it. Mm. And those things that you have decided, God has not, he, He's not paying attention to it. He's put... He, 
and you have put it in the trash can, God is not afraid of going through your trash to, re yeah. to um, resurrect your old hopes and your old dreams. Yeah. He's a God who says, I am faithful and I will do it. Mm -hmm. And so every day I look at my son. Every single day I look at him and I, he is a testimony of God's goodness. Mm -hmm. Like he is a living, breathing testimony of God's faithfulness. Yeah. And so I look at him and I know that if he can do that for me, he can resurrect and bring back and relight and just all the good things, every single thing that we're hoping for, that we're believing for, and those things that we have even lost hope for. Amen. So I just bless you with that. Yeah. And... On my side, I just, I have seen God's faithfulness. Mm. I have seen that God, that God is good is not just a concept, mm. but it is a core value of my life. And I live according to the fact that I know that God is good, the fact that I know that God is faithful. Mm. And I know that we are talking about babies here, but I know that there are things that are, that are lacking in, 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 in our lives that goes way beyond having a child. And I know that God is able to resurrect that. And I know that when you speak life into those dry bones, that God will resurrect that and that will, God will bring it, bring it to fruition. Yeah. And so my encouragement to you as a congregation is whatever I believe that God has done for us, that he can do it again. The scripture of Revelations 19.10 where our testimony is prophecy to your ears. Yeah. That you can receive this testimony and apply it to every lack, every shortfall, every place of need in your life. And you will see, I promise you, you will see a change when you start speaking life into those dead places. Because that's what we did. And we're sitting here declaring that God's faithfulness has has proven it because like Ephesians 3.20 says that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above everything that you can even imagine. So why not challenge him on that? Why not trust him on that? And why not allow that expectation or that expectancy of yours to actually meet the promises of God in your life? Amen. Awesome. Just give them a round of applause as they go. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Let's stand together. Faithful, you are faithful forever. You faithful, you are. All your promises are yes. One more time. Faithful you are. Faithful forever you will be. Oh, faithful you are. All your promises are yes and amen. Just lift your hands to the Lord where you are. You are faithful, O oh God. Oh, we thank you, Lord. Your Holy Spirit is present this morning in this place, Lord. Father, we release the word of miracles, Lord God, in this place this morning. We declare breakthrough in the name of Jesus. We declare healings in the name of Jesus. We declare hope in the name of Jesus. We declare faith in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you, Lord, that every impossible situation is possible this morning. Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for those who have been putting their hope in the Lord. We declare your word says they will not be put to shame. They will not have to look around, but that they can look at you who is the author and the finisher of their faith, Lord. So this morning, we thank you for the testimony about Jesus as a spirit of prophecy. 
Lord, that it's beginning to work miracles throughout this place, Lord God. And even those, Father God, who are far off, those people that are in our families, friends of ours, that we are standing for them this morning, Lord God. And we say, Lord, your arm is not too short to save. Your ear is not too dull to hear, Lord God. You are the God who saves. You are the God who hears. You are the God who heals. You are the God of miracles, Lord. Father, this morning we stand in faith, Lord God, believing every single person, Lord God, that is in this auditorium this morning, yes. every family believing God for a child, Lord God, we declare that their miracle is here in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Lord God. There's somebody here. I see you are counting coins. You are counting the last coins. You are counting the last coins. And the Lord has given you a word and said, I am with you. And you are looking in your hand and you are saying, Lord, there's not much here. And I believe God is saying this morning, I am your exceedingly great reward. Do not look at what is in your hand. Look at what is in my hand, says somebody else here you are fighting with your sister this is going to bring division in your family God is restoring that relationship this morning as somebody else here you are the one who is depressed you are having depression because of disappointments one two three four five six seven disappointment it's like it follows you and today disappointment dies in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. Father, we declare your hope is rising. New day, new season. New hope, new laughter. New joy returning. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's lift up our hands to the Lord. Father, I declare your blessing over us this morning as we go home. I pray, Lord, that this spirit, this atmosphere continues with us, Lord God. Yes. And I thank you that this week we'll see breakthroughs, miracles, Lord God. Miracles and breakthroughs coming forth, Lord. I declare your blessing over your people. I thank you, Lord, for what you've done this morning. In the mighty name of Jesus. And all God's people shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.